0: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on today's episode. This Farmer's Kitchen is absolutely chock full of food and a good cup of tea too. We were speaking to Haya from Haya Tea about how to make the perfect brew. Dan Fay joining us to talk Michelin and some of his top picks including what he thinks is the best new burger and fries in town celebrating balsamic vinegar with Ankit from Spinneys author Peter Abraham was in town talking about how to unjunk your diet the dangers of processed food and some easy swaps to make too and not one but two chefs joining us one Frenchman in a Japanese kitchen and a Serbian serving up modern European at Folly You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: Chef table in the hot seat this afternoon, Chef Boyan, executive chef at Folly. He's been in the UAE since 2013, worked at Table 9 by Nick and Scott, opened Folly and is now back in the kitchen. Folly there recently received that nod from Michelin in the Bib Gourmand category. So congratulations, Chef.
2: Thank you very much. How are you? Very good, very
0: good. I'm always super grateful for chefs coming in on a Friday because it's a busy day in your in the F and B calendar and folly at the minute especially absolutely packed. It's a real favorite of so many people that I know. And I think that's quite a rare thing in Dubai because we're always attracted by the next new shiny thing. Yeah. And folly seems to be a consistent for so many. It's because I think for me it kind of straddles this middle ground of being fancy enough for a special occasion but also accessible enough to go for like a midweek yeah. bite with a friend or family. Does that make sense to use a chef? Is that is that important to have that factor? It is.
2: Um, it is very important for us because I don't think that we are a restaurant only for special occasion and definitely not just a casual restaurant. Um, so I think whoever comes to Folly can find something that suits them. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is coming for an anniversary or birthday or some special occasion, Obviously, we'll we'll make sure that uh, we take a good care of them. And even if someone is just like, oh, I'm fancying a, um, a, a, a bite. G- a good bite. Yeah. For
0: anyone that hasn't been, how do you describe the cuisine or the philosophy of the restaurant there at Madnad?
2: Um, well, folly is, um, in, in in an exact sense of that word, folly, uh, we don't like to tie ourselves to certain cuisine or certain style of cooking, or we we like to keep it open, and it gives us a lot of freedom to, to explore and to do things that we like. So I think that the food is um, it's obviously based on uh, experiences and, and the training that um, we received over the years. Um, it's rooted in the European food, so to say, but uh, considering that we are in Dubai, we're in, in this melting pot of different cultures and, and, and different food, we do take inspiration from all of that around us and we like to incorporate it into the dishes and, and the menus that we do. That melting pot. Where are you from, chef? I'm from Serbia. Tell us a little bit about Serbian. Actually, Dan, he was just in earlier,
0: just yes. got, got back from Serbia recently and he came back and he's like, the people were so nice. The food was amazing. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, all right, chill yeah, out. Are you working for the Serbian tourist board, Dan? He's like, no, 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 it no, was amazing. Um, I don't, I've never been. I don't know anything about... Cypriot cuisine at all? Can you um, talk to us about a little bit flavor profiles and signature dishes?
1: Um,
2: yeah, definitely. I think that uh, food uh, from back home uh, it's very rich. Um, the, the thing that I really, really appreciate now um, from, uh, about the food from back home is that uh, the quality of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never understood that before. I never pay attention until I started traveling Didn't and, know and how living lucky abroad. You were. Exactly. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that the, the it's. The Serbia is developing itself. Um, when it comes to uh, cooking food and and the restaurants, it's showcasing more and more what it has to offer. And uh, I'm very happy for that because I know there is a lot of good chefs uh, back home who are doing really good, uh, really good things. Um, they are also they also got their uh, Michelin guide as well. So the competition is uh, is, is uh, growing in Standards a in the right getting direction. getting higher yeah. and higher.
0: Where did it begin for you then? Thinking about being a chef or even understanding that, that could be a career for you.
2: Um I I don't have that typical story where I say oh my grandma was an amazing <laughs> cook and she inspired me. Um my grandma actually was not a good cook. Neither was mine. <laughs> Neither <laughs> no. like I mean honestly she's quite good. She was a no. very hard working woman. I really love her for that and for her fuel uh sorry for her food was just a fuel. Yeah. Um but my mom was actually a very good cook because she was the one who when she was old enough to cook, she was like, "I need to do something about this." <laughs> this
0: is about survival. <laughs> yeah, the,
2: and uh, because I because I spent a lot of time when I was uh, alone at home when I was a kid, and I always had to like warm up something after school or just uh, eat something from the fridge that is cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, I asked my mom once, I was like, "Oh, can you just show me how to make something simple?" And that's how it started. I started doing uh, little bits and bobs by myself, and and I developed. A, interest in, in, in food and cooking. And then when I said to my family, I was like, hey you know what? I want to do this for a living. I'm very interested in food and, and, and cooking. They thought it's just a phase. And they're like, yeah, it's it'll, it'll pass. Uh, but no, then uh, I went to a cooking school and I realized that actually I really love it. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting good at it. So... Yeah, that, that was it.
0: Fast forward, executive chef joining us now, Chef Boyan of Folly. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I
1: 103.8. With spinnies. Eat well, live well.
0: It's the chef table now. Chef Boyan joining us from Folly there at Super Madan And there's a new menu afoot, I hear, chef. Now, yes. there are some real favourites at Folly for a lot of the loyal diners. Yeah. So what do you need to take in consideration when you are making adjustments, additions and maybe some subtractions as well?
2: Um, I mean... It's it's not easy to um, change the menu just just like that because pe- we're all creatures of habit, and there's a lot of people who like to come to the restaurant for the specific dish or that they had long time long time ago. So when we do the menus, we always look at obviously first are the ingredients that are in the season and what we want to work with and and what's interesting for us to to cook with. Uh, but then of course we think about the guests who are coming into the restaurant all the time yeah, so keep it fresh yeah of course so we don't uh we don't stray uh too much uh, from the course what we, about the
0: seasonality aspect as well you know the weather's getting hotter what role does that play in what people want to be eating
2: yeah of course i mean as soon as uh we, we're obviously in, in the summer already in dubai and uh it's getting very hot so you can't really eat heavy and you, you don't want to eat heavy so people are looking for more uh, fresh uh light food uh, light dishes um, seafood, even the, even the meat dishes that are not uh, too heavy with the sauces and stuff. So we, we are obviously taking all of that into consideration when we're working on the new menu, which is the case now as well in the for the summer dishes. there is a, a lot of things that are on the menu that might remind guests of previous dishes that we did before uh, that will uh, have some element to that they recognize and, and obviously a lot of things that they like about what we do. Are always there on the menu.
0: Make us hungry. Come on. What is it? What are some of your favorite dishes and what's going down well with diners? Um,
2: well, we always had, uh, we always have crab on the menu. We use uh, the Devon crab, which is one of the best uh, on the market, and uh, that that's the dish that has been on the menu since day one, and it just changed over time a little bit. Uh, so at the moment, what we do with it, um, we cook the crab, pick all the meat, use all the shells t- to. To make the sauce to make the dressing for the crab because the one of the main philosophies of our kitchen is no waste don't throw anything and if you if you can make something out of it and um, we just paired that with a uh, simple radish very humble ingredient but very flavorful uh, a little it has a that nice crunchy texture a little bit of peppery flavor as well and the f- and a very interesting thing about it is that we are getting it from the local farm so we don't necessarily import and buy everything from outside there are a lot of things that are grown in dubai um, or around dubai and they're very very good and tasty so crab radish and then just for the little bit of uh that what we talked about earlier that influence from other cultures so we we took some uh, kaffir lime leaves and we made the sauce with a cucumber so it's very light very citrusy very uh, acidic and it goes well for these days of uh, summer
0: what about dessert is there a sweet ending there always is at folly what's on the dessert menu uh,
2: on the desserts at the moment there is one that is actually my favorite um it's a take on um it's a take on something that i tried when i was in london and it's a it's a biscuit with a fig uh, filling inside i believe it's called newton biscuit yeah
0: fig Newton. Uh, yeah
2: so that, that's something that i tried in london i was like i really loved it and especially during the uh those Hard days in London, working in the kitchen. There was a, there was my sugar rush in the <laughs> Energy afternoon. Energy boost. Yeah. So how uh, have you
0: elevated that then? What's it like?
2: So we did. Uh, we we make our own biscuit. Uh, we use a very good figs. We make a nice filling inside. Uh, we also use some fresh figs that we uh, just glaze a little bit with sugar and um, and we just add a little folly uh, element to it. We made uh, ice cream from uh, lavender, so that, that goes really nice with fig.
0: That sounds beautiful. Okay. You've cooked for some big names, um, and we know, we're, we're especially think about Table 9, yeah. back in back in the old, days. In the old um, days. Is there anyone that you'd love to cook for, Chef Boyan? Is there anyone like, oh my goodness, I'd love to um, feed you, excite you, and what would you make them?
2: I think that the list is quite long. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if I had to, uh, if I could choose a couple of people, um, you always look at the role models of uh, in life, so... Definitely, one of them would be uh, the best tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic. Oh, nice. <laughs> no need to guess; yeah, everyone to knows guess. that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you make him? Um, well, obviously, he's got a very specific diet. He's oh, he a can have a night, picky night off. Yeah, ah. I think he would. Uh, he would agree. It would be a cheat day, and uh, we would we would do something that uh, something that we are known for, something that we do in Folly. So, uh, definitely, I would. Um, I would like to spoil him that day. That that would be something special.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you a very difficult question for many chefs, which was your desert island meal. So imagine I'm going to send you off to a desert island All where right. the food is rubbish. It's okay. not going to be a kind of Tom Hanks fish, you know, spearing <laughs> extravaganza. There's right. no seafood, wet bar. No, 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 no. It's going to be horrible. But the night before... I exile you to this sandy spot. You get to have the meal of your dreams. Starter, main, dessert. It can be food from your fantasies. It could be food from your travels, from your childhood. You can do any configure. If you want to have three courses of cheese, I don't mind. Chef Boyan, what would you put on your menu? Oh,
2: my God. For the whole menu? Starter, Starter main, main dessert. dessert. Come on. All
0: right. You've got to go with instinct because I change my mind about this all the time. So today, for you, what would it be?
2: All right. Starter. Um started i would spoil myself with a, a lot of cold cuts from back home that's something that especially the region where i'm from we are very good at it so that's something to um to start with and the main course uh, that's quite a difficult one because i'm now trying to think something between uh, what i what i'm used to cook or something that i grew up eating you're not
0: cooking someone else is cooking don't all worry right. about that
2: then um, i would definitely do a dish of um, which is a uh, it's called sarma. It's also a dish from back home. Uh, it has a little similarity to um, to Arabic cuisine because it's a it's basically minced meat with the rice, which is rolled in a, um, fermented cabbage, uh, sauerkraut. Mm. And it's a winter dish, but it's my favorite any 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 time of the year. And uh, dessert, definitely a black forest cake.
0: Are you feeling a bit homesick, chef? Do you need to have a little holiday back to Europe? Uh, Do you want me to speak to to Nick?
2: (laughs) Definitely. Um,
0: And question here saying, where does chef like to eat any um, Balkan recommendations? Ooh, good question. So Um, lastly, before I let you get back to the busy kitchens at Folly, some of your favourite places and yeah, any good Serbian restaurants in in Dubai?
2: um, Well, obviously I think Everyone's familiar with 21 grams. Yeah, um,
0: we were just talking about this afternoon, Mayan Mall. They've just got the yeah. bib gum on the Nod as well. Yes, so yes. shout out to Sasha and the gang there, definitely. 21 grams. They do a great Balkan yes. breakfast, actually.
2: They, they do everything great, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> and uh, whenever I'm a little bit homesick or I, or I just want to eat good, I go there. It's its my go-to, especially for um, for big uh, holidays like uh, Christmas. And, and I like to go there, definitely.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, as I said, especially on Friday. Get back to Folly. I'm sure you've got a full house tonight. And it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, Chef Boyan. Really, really appreciate it. Exec Chef at Folly there at Souk Madinat Jumeirah.
3: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: Talking tea, how do you take yours? Let me know. I've already messages coming on this because tea is a bit of an emotive topic for some people, some nationalities. Um, uh, message saying, a good cup of tea is the colour of He-Man. Thank you. Thank you for that, Graham. Let me know how you take yours and maybe we can offer you some inspiration now. Our next guest has turned her passion for it into a career, a business. Hiya is the founder of Hiya Tea. Um, and I want to know, first of all, about that name. Tell us about that. How are you? I'm fine, Helen. Good to be back. And lovely to
4: have you in the hot seat. Tell us about Hayati. Well, Hayati is wordplay on the Arabic word Hayati, which means my life. Oh, beautiful. So it's
0: all kind of, it's like a portmanteau, but uh, it has meaning.
4: Yeah. And, you know, I've been here a few times before, and even though I was in other industries, I somehow or the other always ended up talking about tea, Mm -hmm. so it was a matter of time before I took matters into my own hands and decided to fill a gap in the market that I felt was becoming more and more obvious. So
0: can, I don't want to say can you remember your first cup of tea, but why where, <laughs> where did you start to realise that this was something that you really wanted to you know, turn into a bit of a passion and share that with other people crucially?
4: I've been drinking tea for a very long time. And it was in COVID that I started studying tea in detail. And that's where this all began. When you
0: say studying in detail, what did that actually look like? Was that just like sitting at home, working from home, drinking endless cups of tea? Or did you become a student of it?
4: A little bit of both. <laughs> I became a certified tea sommelier and then I specialized in Japanese and Chinese teas. And my sensei would make me um, make the same tea with eight different waters, <gasps> changing the temperature by two degrees and just the infusion time by two seconds. And oh it makes a big difference. gosh, does it really? Yeah.
0: Now, I'm half Irish, so I grew up with the mum who's very particular about her tea, and she's completely <laughs> horrified that I don't really drink tea as she knows it, which is, you know, your kind of, your PG tips, your her she loves an earl grey. And my brother went to university and came back drinking tea, and he quickly became the golden child because they bonded <laughs> over this. Now, British people, and I include my mother in this, are incredibly loyal to tea brands we celebrate with tea we drink tea when we're sad you fall and cut your knee you have a nice cup of tea um what about in other cultures <laughs> you mentioned there um you know the japanese and actually my parents lived in japan for a long time my mum oh. got quite into the into the ritual of it all but in terms of tea and history what what's some of the most interesting things that you've uncovered that you could share with us Ayah?
4: Well, first of all, based on that description, I think I might be British. (laughs) But um, fun fact, tea was born in China. That's the original birthplace of tea. And um, even matcha originally came from China. And it was the Buddhist monks that took it from China to Japan in the ninth century because matcha would help them stay very alert but very calm. So how many cups of tea do you think you average then? Um, I have a lot of tea. My threshold is very high. Go on. No, I
0: want want to know volume and number of cups. Come on. I
4: think I have like two to three bowls of matcha a day um, for that caffeine buzz. And then I do have white tea in the evening to relax myself. I will maybe have puar or hojicha after dinner as a digestif. So that's interesting to think about tea for different functions then. So tell us a little
0: bit about that and how you've started to, you know, fulfill different roles with different teas that you have in in your collection as well.
4: Well, all tea, all true tea comes from the Camellia sinensis plant. And what essentially makes one different from the other, in addition to terroir, altitude, latitude, harvest time, season, etc., is just how oxidized or unoxidized it is. And I find that green tea, has the highest amounts of caffeine, flavonoids, L-theanine. It's a great way for me to start the day. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I want something with less polyphenols, more as a digestif and with less caffeine.
0: Now, you are consulting to different restaurants. You're collaborating with chefs as well. How How is that going? And tell us, spill the tea.
4: <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite thing to do because I've been very lucky to get to work with restaurant teams that are as passionate about their craft as I am about mine. Mm-hmm. And um, we were very selective about where we supply to because we do want to the, the teams to treat the product with love. And uh, some of the restaurants include, but are not limited to, Moonrise, Kinoya, Jun's, Tancha. Oceano and and counting. And my favorite team to work with is Moonrise because those guys are so wildly talented. And they have introduced the wonders of single origin, single estate, pure, unadulterated tea as a worthwhile and incredible beverage. Rather than an afterthought. Yeah, to discerning diners from Dubai and beyond. Mm -hmm. I just love how they treat our product. Oh, I've just got goosebumps. Look at this, <laughs> the passion message here from Nick
0: saying, Haya is the only person who knows the tea about tea. Love what she does and she's the best person to go for tea advice." Oh. A message here saying, um, <laughs> whatever you do, don't put your milk in first. <laughs> this is what I can tell you. That's that's going to be that's going to be a Brit. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I
1: 103.8 with Spinneys. Eat well. Live well.
0: Spilling the tea now with Haya, the founder of Haya Tea. She works with the, some of the best restaurants in the UAE. Providing their tea, she offers us tea tasting and consultation as well. And if you've got any questions for her, you can absolutely reach out. Renette sharing her advice. Only drink tea out of a very thin teacup with saucer. It's stylish. You don't drink tea from a mug. Tea has a thin taste to it. And if you drink tea from a thin teacup, it tastes better. How important is the... The receptacle, higher.
4: Oh, so important. I have to agree with her because the thinner the rim, it's like there's nothing between your palate and the tea. It just slides right on. Ah. Mugs are for coffee.
0: Okay. Mugs are for coffee. (laughs)
4: Coffee's for mugs.
0: Um, And a message is saying, can we know which teas are low in caffeine? What comes
4: to mind there? A very popular one is Hojicha. It is a roasted Japanese green tea that is low in caffeine and polyphenols and has this roasted nutty hazelnutty pecan kind of a flavor profile it's like a hug in a cup it's great after dinner Thank very you. popular both hot and cold really yeah how do you spell it hojicha h-o-j-i-c-h-a okay. it's also the name of one of my cats
0: oh how cute <laughs> you um in terms of what's um going down well with customers restaurants and obviously people buying from you directly what trends are you seeing um here in dubai what are we loving
4: I would say Japanese teas are more popular and more more familiar than Chinese teas. But I do see a rising interest in Chinese teas as well. From the Japanese teas, without a doubt, matcha. Everybody loves matcha.
0: Okay, I don't, I don't.
4: We're going to change that. I
0: don't, I I feel like, okay, I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to exist in 2023 because I don't like avocado. So avocado on toast, I'm just like, "Mm," leaves me cold.
4: So it's just you and green. Maybe it's a green,
0: maybe it's a green thing. And I don't really get, maybe I just haven't had a good matcha. So... You need you need to convert me, Master is Saying where can I get good quality matcha? I want to mix it in my smoothies. Says Kisa. So tell us a little bit about different different ways. Is that a, could that be a good way of consuming it? Could, what about me? Yeah,
4: absolutely. You can have your matcha however you like, straight up ceremonial grade without anything added in because it's really sweet and smooth on its own. Um, and then you can buy our premium beverage grade for smoothies, for cocktails, for lemonades which is still shaded for three weeks prior to harvest. That's what gives matcha that elevated level of caffeine, chlorophyll, L-theanine. L-theanine promotes the production of alpha waves in your brain and makes you feel calm.
0: Bring it on. Um, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link if those have just <laughs> been in touch on that topic. Um, how do you make a perfect cup? Can you
4: give us all your top brewing tips, please? Um, for the perfect cup of tea, the first thing you need is good quality fresh water. Spring water is the best, but in the absence of you, you should just go for water that's as fresh as possible. And what I mean by that is water that has not been reheated again and again, because every time you do that, it loses oxygen. So that's a great place to start. Secondly, Buy better quality tea or good quality tea. Um, And thirdly, I think the biggest deal breaker or maker is the water temperature because it's directly proportional to the flavonoid extraction. So if you use water temperature that's too high, uh, your tea will end up being too bitter and unpleasant.
0: I love this. This is, this is fascinating. Um, can I ask you a tif- difficult question? Uh, I guess. If you could only drink, and you said earlier that you <laughs> might have maybe two or three or four different varieties of tea over the course of the day. But if I was to take them all away and give you only one to have the rest of your life, what would it be?
4: That really is a difficult I know, question. I know, I it's, it's all hard-hitting stuff
0: here on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Tell me. It would be much.
4: Would it really? Yeah. So how do you have yours? I have it so many different ways, um, and these days, because it's so warm, I love it in the form of a lemonade with coconut water or just sparkling water. i um, a number of people asking for your details, so that's where we're <laughs> going to leave it this afternoon. How
0: best to find you, and as I said, sign up for tea tasting, or indeed buy from you, consulting, how to how to get in touch. com. There you go. It's that simple, and it's H A I. Y-A-T-E-A. So if you want the details, just send me the word tea. Send me a teacup emoji. I'll send you the link. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. You've weirdly got me craving a cuppa and <laughs> I'm willing to be converted to matcha. With you- donuts. With donuts, <laughs> Okay, that's my last question to you because you know the food scene here in Dubai. Best donut in town? Crumb and Co, without a doubt. Crumb and Co. Oh my goodness, can someone please send us donuts? And thank you so, so much for your time today. I said if you want details, send me the word "tea." I will send you that link.
3: This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
1: 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: We are meeting the author now. Bernadette Abraham has recently launched a book called Unjunk. It's a book on how to raise healthy eaters in a processed world. She's got decades of experience in physical well-being in Canada, the US and here. She's a mum of four. She's got degrees for all sorts, computer engineering, exercise science, health promotion and is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and a medicine coach as well. So who better To hold our hand through a very complicated world right now, (laughs) Bernadette, when it comes to food, food labels, the constant barrage of this is good for you. This is terrible for you. Yeah. It's overwhelming.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I talk about this in the book to try and simplify it because it's really not that complicated. If we think about what our great-great-grandparents ate, it was all organic, right? They ate what they grow, um, what they could kill on land, and that was food. Today, Mm. we've got all kinds of categories of food. And so in the book I actually discuss how to simplify that. And I I talk about a health continuum line. And at the green end, which is the left side, it's everything that's made in nature, right? Things that you pick from the tree, grow from, grow on land, kill off land from the sea. And at the opposite red end on the right side, it's anything that's chemically created and produced in a lab. Mm -hmm. And then you've got food that's, you know, there's some processing to it that lies somewhere along the line in the middle. And that's how I kind of look at food is it's not good and bad. It's we should be aiming for our diet to be mostly on the green end and really minimizing on the red end. And then there are some things that lie in the middle. And that's when you can kind of decide, you know, if you want to have that or not.
0: And I think I think in in honesty, it is, you know, we're living in, um, um, you know, first world country 2023. Mm -hmm. You know, there are going to be situations, preferences where it's, it's not going to be possible to be, you know, all green. But I guess what we're hoping to kind of uncover through the next kind of 20 minutes is some, maybe some simple swaps, some tips and tricks, even some recipes. But before we get to that, I think we need to kind of zoom out a little bit and figure out how we got to this point where the majority of what a lot of people are eating is ultra-processed. Mm-hmm. Um, you've said that children's health is a social responsibility and it needs a societal cure. Can you expand on that for us, Benedict?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason why I wrote this book came out of frustration. Um, I was trying to raise, I mean, I'm a nutritionist. I should be able to help my kids eat healthier. And everywhere they turned, everywhere I turned, there was something, somebody, somewhere, trying to give them junk food, processed food. Case in point, yesterday, my kids at school, it was um, dress down day and they had to wear uh, like tourists. And both my kids, I guess they dressed well because they were given Kit Kats for doing that, you know. So it's like (laughs) – and then that's that's just a very simple example. Think about the Hallmark holidays starting in October with Halloween where those events start – well before Halloween. You got the parties beforehand, then you got the party on the day, then you have Halloween trick or treating. And then that bag that they come home with lasts a few months. Right? <laughs> not in our household. But yes, I know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Unless you get rid of it, right? Unless the switch which comes home and, and takes it and replaces it with a toy. Um, but then you've got Christmas and New Year's and Valentine's and Easter. So it's, it's perpetual, it's constant. It's not once in a while anymore. And it's not moderation. And that's what I, when people say everything in moderation, I think they use that to justify their choices today. But in reality, if you think about it, is it really? And that's that's how I reply. I reply back with a question. Is it really moderate? Can I ask you
0: then about how realistic it is to keep our children away from this? Because my worry as mm-hmm. a parent is when you start to deny um, that left unsupervised, they become like, you know, unsupervised children at a buffet. And it starts to almost... Fetilize products and hold them up as kind of esteemed rewards or something to sneak or binge and eat in secret. So how do we then talk to our children about choices? Even I know your kids are, you know, 12 and up, but mine are six yeah. and eight. And they've got, they've got impulses, of course, they've yeah. got, they've got desires. So
3: how do we frame that? Yeah. And so I do talk about in that book, I, in the first chapter, Preparing for Change, I talk about feeding styles. And I I will admit, I had a very controlling feeding style when my children were younger. I have four. If I was going to cater to each one's demand, I was going to be a short order cook mm-hmm. and cooking for everybody. But then I realized at about the age of seven or eight, this happened to my daughter where she went to a birthday party and it was an all-day party. I didn't have control over anything that was being served. And she came back and vomited her brains out. Like it was really bad. And I was like, ugh, what, what was she fed? So I messaged the mom and sure enough, it was junk food all day, all night. But then I was like, well, why was it just my daughter? who felt sick, like, why didn't the other kids get sick? And I realized it was because not just that, she overindulged, she binged, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was too controlling and limiting these things, it was counterproductive. And and, and it got the opposite intended effect. So to your point, I started saying yes to everything they wanted. But instead, because I know too much about the food industry and additives and things that can be in food, instead, I started taking an approach of, okay, you want this, but let's find a healthier alternative. Let's unjunk it.
0: We're going to be talking about some of those switches you can make next. Bernadette Abraham is with us today. She has launched a book called Unjunk. A message here saying, just got the book last week. It's amazing. It should be in every household and supermarket. Thank you for putting the information in one place and making it easier. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well
0: author of Unjunk, a book on how to raise healthy eaters in a processed world. Bernadette Abraham is with us today, taking my questions and yours. I'm going to start with a big question, Bernadette. Mm-hmm. If I made you Minister of Health for the World, <laughs> don't let the power go to your head, what changes would you be making?
3: Absolutely. I, I actually... Um have been in touch with the government here to try and make some changes. So this is right up my alley. I like this question. Tell me. Um, so like I said, you know, the societal problem that needs a societal cure, and I see it as we need a top-down and a bottom-up approach. And the top-down, that's why if I'm in, you know, at the top, is to regulate food industry better. It's very unregulated. I'm not talking about food safety. I'm talking about additives that are allowed to be in foods that need to be revisited. Um, we need to also regulate the media and the advertising industry, also targeting children. Those are two things that I would regulate from the top down, put better policies in place, put campaigns, awareness campaigns, education campaigns um, out there, because there's a lack of awareness. And there's a lack of knowledge as well. There's A lot of information out there, but people don't really know what really what what to be doing and who to trust. Yeah. And then the bottom up approach is I want to get into schools, I want to create unjunk to become a nutrition curriculum and be a nationwide nutrition curriculum. We need to start teaching kids how to read labels, how to understand the food industry, what, to, what is food. To kids, if it tastes good, they eat it. But that's not, not everything is considered food. Mm-hmm. So we need to start teaching them as well about today's role of food. I guess the, the bigger
0: question, and perhaps something that a lot of people are thinking, listening now is, why does it matter? When we think about processed foods specific to children. Mm-hmm. What are some of the health consequences, Bernadette, that we can point to?
3: Well, there's a huge rise in in diabetes, childhood diabetes. I mean, I'm seeing it in my client population as well. It's sad. And diabetes is not something that you just wake up with. It's a progression over 10 years that that takes place. So there's a certain level of insulin resistance that can start as young as 3, 4, even younger if they're being given a lot of sweets, a lot of juices. Um, you know, we're not designed to be handling a lot of sugar. We've got three hormones that put sugar into the bloodstream. We have only one sugar that takes it out called insulin, right? So by design, we're not designed to be handling loads of sugar and processed forms of sugar, like anything that comes from flour, for mm-hmm. example. So think, right, your your pasta, your breads, your croissants, all of these things are considered pseudo-sugars that are going to quickly go into the bloodstream and rise sugar levels.
0: Let's go to the text line 4001 if you've got any questions. Uh, Leonie's saying it's just not realistic to cut out sugar completely unless you're cooking everything from scratch. And sorry, I don't have the time or inclination. I know what you're saying. I do. Um, Kyle is asking, what does Bernadette think about not telling kids about healthy swaps you're making in their diet? Or do they need to be informed and on board? I'm talking about my kids who are eight and ten.
3: Yeah, so one of the strategies that I discuss in the book, I share lots of tips and tricks and things that I've tried in the past that have worked on um, my own children. One of it is hide it, but be honest. So if you're really struggling trying to get your kids to eat more vegetables, more Mate. fruits, go ahead, blend it up, hide it, get it in there, get, let them have it. And but if they enjoyed it, then be honest about it and let them know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was in there, you know, because then they're going to go, oh, wait, so maybe I do like that food. Mm -hmm. And they'll be more open to trying it. This is what we've done with mac and cheese. We Mm -hmm. blend up zucchini and cauliflower in it. I'm like, and some nice,
0: strong, mature cheddar. (laughs) Exactly. And it it, it, is one of the few things that has worked. Now, Fred is asking for some swaps saying, I'm not the best baker, but my kids are the age where baking is fun, um, I want to make biscuits, decorating, gingerbread people, etc. My question is, if I leave out about half of the sugar, will it still work, or are there any any substitutions that would work?
3: So yes, a lot of the recipes overdo the sugar. You can try, you know, half of it, even a quarter cup, see how how the taste is. Um, And then Healthier swaps would be coconut sugar is a great one-to-one substitute that you can use in a lot of baking that requires regular sugar. Um, And then if it's a liquid type of sugar, then you could do um, maple syrup. I actually use dates, whole dates a lot in anything where there's a liquid base. So for example, when I make ice cream, instead of adding sugar, I'll blend up whole dates in the the blender and then it liquefies it. And then that's what I use as my sweetener as well. And a question here about dairy. You mentioned the (laughs) confusion. When I think this
0: is true, we are... You know, the the offering now in terms of product is enormous, which is amazing, but really overwhelming. No name on this message saying over the last year and a half, we're moving towards a whole food plant based diet. I've got an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. I'm still eating some dairy, but would like to cut it out. I put some Greek yogurt in my overnight oats. I'll also like feta in my salads, mozzarella on homemade pizza. Husband uses dairy milk and his coffee and tea. We're struggling to find alternatives that aren't full of emulsifiers. Am I asking for the impossible? I'm confused. <laughs> What's worse for our health, dairy or the alternatives?
3: Well, if your body has triggered dairy protein to be um, something triggering for the immune system, then it, yes, it is best to avoid that in your situation until you can get to the root cause of your autoimmunity and put that into remission and heal the gut lining and all that good stuff. Um, so in the meantime, you can look for alternatives. If you can make it at home, that's the best way because you're going to be getting the majority of the nut itself. which it should just be nut and water, whatever nut you prefer to make nut milk, for example. Um, and it is difficult to find cheeses and whatnot that don't have them. But again, in terms of reducing an immune response, yes, that would be a better choice.
0: Um, a message here from uh, C saying, um, "What could be causing the bloating in my six-year-old?" That's a big question, but in, uh, I, but maybe that speaks to testing as well. If there's anything that you recommend well, or I,
3: elimination, I would I would look at the top three major players of digestion: stomach acid, bile production, and and, and enzymes production from the pancreas. One of those aren't working properly, and would need to be. Um, further looked at so to the doctor for a quick check um,
0: can I ask you about the book lastly it came out about a month ago um, we've had glowing reports um, I'm sure it was an absolute labour of love uh, where can people find it Benedict?
3: yeah so it's available at the Organic Foods and Cafe it's the best price there actually that you'll find it. it's all the locations um, at Organic Foods and Cafe and it's also available on Amazon.ae and in Virgin Store at Mall of the Emirates and last question if we're going to be
0: let's say I gave you 500 dirhams to spend at Spinney's, which okay. you can't because you're a friend of the <laughs> show, I'm afraid. Um, what are some some useful things to have in our fridge, in our pantry, to be able to unjunk our home in, I guess, a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and intimidating? Some easy swaps and some must-haves for the home.
3: Well, I think one thing that's really missing in today's diet are fermented foods, probiotics, right? Because of... Um Because we have refrigerators, we no longer can and preserve our food. So I would go for some sauerkraut. I would go for some bone broth. Anywhere you would use um, water, I would want to use bone broth instead just to add more micronutrients and minerals. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really good for gut health. Um, so those would be two things that I would make sure that I would want to get. get a lot for 500 dirhams. Bernadette, <laughs> thank you so much. Unjunk is available
0: now. As we said, Amazon version and uh, Organic Foods and Cafe, we can get the best price. And if you want details, you can just send me the word unjunk and I'll happily send the link. Thank you so much thank for Thank you your so time. much for having really, me. Really, really appreciate it. Bernadette Abraham joining us live in the studio. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
1: 103.8. With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
0: Spilling the tea, giving the gossip, and where to go this weekend. Food writer Dan is in the studio. Happy belated birthday, sir. How are you? Thank you.
5: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you for asking. I have to say, and we just said it off air, it's been a week.
5: It's been a week and a half.
0: It's been a week. Everyone I speak to, I'm not going to like blame Mercury or the full moon or I don't know what it is, but everyone I've spoken to is absolutely exhausted, quite emotional. A bit overwhelmed, tired and just need <laughs> Do you know what I would love? I would love someone just like wrap me up in a fleecy blanket and just like stroke my hair and feed me custard and just like look after me for a
5: few days. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for tonight.
0: <laughs> is that what is that your plan for tonight? That's my plan for tonight. Just yeah. be like a like a giant baby burrito on the sofa. Yeah. Just sounds s- fantastic. Someone just like looking after you. Um it is International Donut Dome. Where do you think are some of the best in town? Have you enjoyed a good one recently?
5: I like Hero Donuts.
0: <gasps> I love Hero Donuts. Is that how you sp-
5: pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. Here, uh...
0: Here, oh, Hero. Hero. Yeah. Hero. Yeah, they're amazing, actually. Yeah. They do this really lovely kind of chrome-glazed vanilla one. It's like, I'm sure it's a bit of an Instagram moment. I think that's probably what it's all about, but it tastes amazing. They
5: do a lot of vegan ones as well. Do they? So I, I go through a little vegan spell every year um, and... Yeah, the vegan ones are really good. Really and we speak- actually preferred them to the non-vegan really?
0: ones. Yeah. Always makes me laugh at me, like, I'm going vegan so I can be healthy. I'm like, all you're eating is tomato pasta, Oreos, chips and donuts.
5: Are really processed fake meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's probably worse for you. Exactly.
0: Do you know what? For my sins, after... So we our studio was right next to Bread Ahead in Expo 2020 Dubai. It was, like, right. next door. So... Every single Thursday, I'd be like, I think I'm going to go and try a different pavilion. I'm going to go. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go to Bread Ahead. Um, and since it's opened in the Emirates, I haven't had a Bread Ahead donut yet. And those lemon curds donuts were, uh, they were a highlight for me. For... I've never
5: even heard of that.
0: This what? Place. Oh, my goodness. If It was like a food highlight for me in Expo. They do massive, massive slices of pizza. Only pepperoni and margarita. And as big as your head. And donuts really, really well. And they did... Really like a kind of grown-up raspberry jam, chocolate, the pistachio and the lemon curd were amazing. I think that's what I want to do on my way home and while the Emirates just do a little drive-by. I'm
5: trying to watch what I eat at the moment. I need all this temptation to okay. just blow away. I'll go
0: on my own then. Um, you you say that, you've come here to talk about burgers. <laughs>
5: that is very, very true. Because it
0: was International Burger Day earlier this week. So, brand new spot, 11 Green. What's it all about
5: Oh, it's brilliant. So there was a, there's a guy who set up something called Tanner's on Eight.
0: I went there. Well, I, had, I had paella from there. Have you been? I had, I ordered it.
5: Amazing. How, so, yeah, how, it's... how
0: bougie am I? I was like, yeah, I'm going to no, order. Well, I, I didn't I, even
5: know you could get delivered. delivery from yeah, there. Yeah,
0: they had a really great supper club and we had some friends over dinner and I love eating, but I'm a terrible cook. So I ordered paella. I actually ordered two from there. We did like a, fi- a seafood and then we did a kind of chicken chorizo one. Food was amazing. Ordered that morning, literally at the traffic lights outside the kids' school and it amazing. got delivered at eight o'clock. So I know them for a but they're doing burgers.
5: So Sultan, funnily enough, means Sultan go back a few years, but from my other job, from, okay. from my recruitment world. And just one day he saw me on Instagram and he was like, You do food reviews? He's like, you need to come to my supper club. And I didn't manage to coordinate the times with him. And then he came back to me and says, look, I'm starting up this burger joint. So they entered a competition in the UAE for best burger, won it. He got flown over to the US for the World Burger Championships. And they came third in the world. (gasps) And now he's set this up as a standalone burger joint in Jamira, And it's amazing. Best, Best fries slash chips that I've, I think, had in Dubai. What? That's
0: just, a really big shout, Dan. Go oh, on. Talk who else through.
5: does amazing chips, though? High joint. That, yeah, that's true. But sometimes I feel like there's just a lot going on with them. They're really, like, messy, sort of, like... Yeah, not, whereas are. these are just the, the objective fry, just the fry on its own, nothing done to it, just really crispy on the outside, really, like buttery on the inside, really flavorful potatoes and the the beef they use as well, so I believe they, they so they, they do like this the smashed burgers, but they' just they just taste so nice there's not a lot going on it's only small they're not massively expensive I think it's about fifty fifty five dirhams per I, burger
0: i can't believe that they came third in the world third in the world yeah that's amazing it's um it's also it's a bit of a I've become a bit of a foodie hotspot. It's in the same mall as 21 Grams, isn't it? Just oh, kind of on Althania Beach Road. Yeah, it's got,
5: like, I'm trying to think what the name of the mall I don't is. Know. I do
0: know. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, Mayan Mall, Althania Street. Mayan M E Y A N. So 11 green for great burger and some great fries too.
5: Yeah, and the desserts are great as well. Like, honestly, it was just,
0: yeah. I last saw you wonderful. last week. We were, we were having it being very... Um, very unlike us, being fancy at the Michelin. Oh, the yeah. Mishes, were not we? The Mishes. The, the Mishes. Mishes. Oh
5: my it's God. like the Dundies, but the Mishes. <laughs> my gosh! I mean, I, want, I want to bring that to the world. Like, oh, I'm going to the Mishes. A, yeah. a
0: week later, what are your big kind of takeaways from from the the gongs that were were handed out? What's your what's your take, Dan?
5: So, Oceano is still robbed completely. I think so, you should
0: have had two. Oh,
5: easily, I went. So I went to Oceano a few days ago for my birthday. Uh, he was doing a collaboration with the chef from Jardner in. Um, Copenhagen, and it was just amazing again. Like, it's such a wonderful venue. The service is impeccable, the food's amazing. Gregor is one of the nicest people I've ever met in yeah. the food industry, and I just don't know what he has to do to get that second star based on some of the other two stars mm-hmm. that are in town.
0: Interesting. Yeah, okay.
5: Not Tristan Studio, Tristan Studio is yeah. amazing and fully deserves it.
0: What about this weekend? What, what have you got coming up? Where are you going? What are you eating?
5: So, I'm going to Coterie again. <laughs> I'm okay. obsessed.
0: Right, now, we, now for <laughs> anyone that hasn't heard about your love, you say say you say you it. I'm pronouncing it wrong. I've no idea. Coterie? coterie? I was like, like Cotterie, Cotterie, And I was like, it can't be cottery. It's in, like, a car park in Batuta. Um, but, my goodness, everyone's so good. raving about this place. Roast dinner, I've heard, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And really good puds. So- yeah.
5: So I've got friends in town, and they've got two kids, and it's really kid-friendly. They've got a separate room um that's away from the other area (laughs)
0: that that sounds like it's more parent-friendly than kid-friendly just take the children away
5: yeah true true (laughs) um so yeah they've got a a kid-friendly area and it's just just amazing just premium ingredients amazing service
0: what are you eating what's some of your topics roast dinner i'm
5: just gonna have a roast i'm really boring i should really give them more coverage because that'll be my third time that i've been there and i'll just have the roast again but i'm sorry but it's amazing
0: it is spelt, this is where the French people are like, it is Coterie, C-O-T-E-R-I-E. Yeah, I was saying, Coterie. Coterie, have a roast at Coterie, <laughs> glosh. <Glouche. Exactly. laughs> what about new places? There's a lot, I mean, you'd think we're in June now, you'd think things would be quietening down on the food front. Uh, not so much. We've got a minute, Dan what are you excited about?
5: So there's a place called The Link opening soon, which is a one and only in Zabila. It's not opening soon as in the next few weeks, I don't think. But it's going to have La Dame de Pic by Anne Sophie Pic, which is a two-star Michelin in, in London. Um, Dabby's Minoza is coming over with uh, Street or Streak, or however you pronounce it. So he's the number one chef in the world at the moment. He's opening up a restaurant. Um, Also, there's um, Sagetsu by Tetsuya Wakuda, who's also got a two-star restaurant. Um, Paco Morales, who's a one-star chef, um, who did a collaboration with Oceana recently. Uh, He's opening up Cabu. Uh, And this is all going to be in the one and only in Zabil. It's going to be amazing.
0: This is what happens. Yeah, Kersner
5: are doing an amazing job of attracting all these brilliant chef server because as i say like I'm, I'm going over to um the royal atlantis next weekend to do dinner um and i you so. need to get
0: back to your pt fella sounds like it hates me at the moment <laughs> right. dan for anyone to check out your recommendations food writer dan on instagram happy belated birthday friend i Thank will you forgive so you much. because of your birthday that you didn't bring me any donuts um last question if you were going to get 500 germs to spend in spinnies what would you be buying
5: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, So I got a a, a, a pastry cutter device thing for my birthday, so I'd get all the ingredients to make some amazing pizzas. There
0: you go. Food writer Dan, you're a star. Thank you so, so much. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: We love introducing you to the chefs and the tastemakers, the producers and yeah, the creative folks in the kitchen that never fail to absolutely delight diners. And One restaurant that has been consistent since opening when it comes to not just good food, but great food. Is Nobu at the Atlantis. It's now launched actually a special lunch menu Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the man responsible is Executive Chef Damien. He is joining us live on Teams. Thank you for stealing yourself away from the kitchen on a busy Friday. How are you, Chef?
6: Very good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you are so Pleasure.
0: welcome. Yeah. Um, you're French. Tell us a little bit about the parallels between French cuisine, the Japanese precision of sushi. Is there a bit of an intersection of those cuisines or philosophies?
6: I mean, you know, French cuisine is also about the product, you know, to the, the respect of the product is, is very important. And also that, I mean, Who else does the best is the Japanese and uh, you can't imagine how much they respect the product. That's why, I mean, there's there's the flavor in the food and and everything is is meant to be matching to each other. And when you you match, I would say, French food with the Japanese influence or vice versa, you can see that it's actually working very well.
0: Tell us a little bit about you, Chef. You're from Toulouse, but you've worked internationally. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the cuisines that you have worked in and now, obviously, one of the most celebrated restaurant names in the business. What's that journey been like?
6: I mean, you know, I started, uh, I started in France, obviously, went to a culinary school for a couple of years, um, worked a bit in Paris in a couple of restaurants and then directly moved to, um, to London, actually. To, to pick up some English, uh, work in a Michelin star restaurant doing French food, and then uh, I got the opportunity to move to, um, to, uh, to Dubai. So I start in, in Royal Mirage, same doing some French food, and and one day I meet a very special person, which was uh, Chef Hervé, who is, mm. who is actually now the corporate of Nobu, and was uh, the chef of, of Nobu in Dubai at the time and he actually offered me a job and that's where everything started in uh, 2009. He's a fantastic and I never left guy. In.
0: <laughs> Not going anywhere. It, it, it. it must be a challenge Normal. because, you know, Nobu internationally has is famed for specific dishes. I'm um, thinking, of course, you know your, your black cod in particular, but the, in terms of you putting your own stamp on that menu and adding some creative, uh, maybe some French flair here and there and getting that balance. And as we're talking about now, introducing a new menu, Tell us a little bit about what is on this lunch menu because I'm not going to lie, I had a leftover salad for my lunch and I think I'm going to be quite jealous about what some of those diners at Nobu had today, chef. So what's on the menu? Can you talk us through it?
6: So I mean, you have, we have a very, very nice menu with a very, very good offer. When you have a choice of starter with the signature of of Nobu, obviously with the salmon new style, the, the, the white fish ramiso, but some of our creation, what you can find mainly in only in Nobu Dubai, which is, I would say, a signature crispy shtake salad with a truffle sesame dressing, which is a big hit at the moment. Obviously, you have a nice plate of sushi to continue and to finish with a nice main course, with a, of course a black cod, a nice ribeye, and I mean. For lunch, we try to keep it kind of light, kind of quick. We don't want to overfill you, but uh, um, we have some special dishes that you can find only in Dubai. That's why it's pretty cool to come.
0: And it must be quite interesting in terms of seasonality, yes, but also the weather. You know, it's getting hot outside. Do you notice a change in what diners are ordering and, and which dishes or even ingredients are resonating when people come through the doors at Nobu at certain times of year? 100%.
6: 100%. Now you can see that most of the people tend to go to fish, more grilled fish. Obviously, nobu food is perfect for the hot weather. You know, sashimis and, and sushi are pretty light. And so I think they, 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 they match perfectly with the hot weather. But obviously, people now try to attend to it less mm-hmm. and less heavy. So I think nobu food is actually perfect for it.
0: I hope you can help settle a discussion that we've had in our household recently, which is about how to eat sushi. Which part. Yeah. Of that is dipped in the soy sauce, even to do with temperature, chopstick technique. Chef Damien, can you tell us if it's not your if it's not your technique, then maybe it's Nobu himself that can advise I mean, on this. What's your take?
6: Chef Nobu always when, when he showed to to any journalist when they come or when we've been asked by the guests, the, the actual and best way to eat sushi is by hand. Um, that's why normally you, you sit at a sushi bar. So the, the best way will be to take the sushi by hand, turn it or use a chopstick and dip only the fish side um, in the soya sauce, not the rice. That's that's very, very important. And one, one more thing is the ginger that's always been served with the, either the roll or the sushi. is not to eat actually together with the sushi, it's to clean your palate before to eat the, the next sushi. So you don't have the flavor of the, of the previous fish before eating the second one.
0: So we're eating by hand. We are dipping mm-hmm. the sushi fish down into the soy sauce, presumably yes. so we're not soaking up too much of the soy sauce in, in the rice so it doesn't become overpowering. And then 100%. no ginger. The ginger is for between no the pieces. Wow. 100%. Oh, my goodness. Chef, thank you. It's every, every day is a school day. <laughs> thank you i'm gonna let you get back to the kitchen because i know you've got a busy service tonight but uh thank you so so much as we said the new lunch menu is up so you're looking at four courses You've got starter main and then, yes, of course, signature, black cod miso and then dessert yep. as well. So I had to have to say I had some amazing mochi ice cream at Nobu a few years ago. So hopefully that is that tradition is long continuing. Fifteen years now of Nobu in Dubai. So, mean an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Have a great weekend ahead. All the very best to you, you and the team. Much. And we'll talk to you very soon.
3: This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I
1: 103.8. With spinnies. Eat well, live well.
0: We are talking food, glorious food on the show this afternoon. As ever, it's Farmer's Kitchen brought to you by Spinney's. And in conversation now with the digital marketing manager of Spinney's and an incredible cook himself, Anki Agulabani, is with us today. Ankit, you cannot win the voucher for 500 dirhams to spend in store. Hi. but I know. But <laughs> if I was to gift you 500 dirhams, mm-hmm. what would you spend it on this weekend? What's, what's got you excited about, uh, about eating, cooking, preparing in Spinney's right now?
7: Well, uh, if I had 500gms to spend at Spinney's, I would probably just raid the olive oil, balsamic vinegars and stuff because I had to do a major restock since I've come back from vacation.
0: So you'd buy the good stuff. You'd buy like, yeah, yeah, stock up on the really good stuff.
7: Yeah, and truffles, of course. And truffles.
0: You are bougie. (laughs) I love it. I was in store this morning um, and had a little, I got some like weekend picky bits which is like my favorite way to eat so I've got like pastries for the morning but I don't know if you've had them but the I'm a little bit obsessed with the new um tikka drumsticks and the barbecue chicken wings in the chill section so I got some of those for like an easy lunch tomorrow so yeah picky they're picky, really good they're really good and the little sauces you can get separately are divine all right back to business sir now you are jet setting left right and center right now where have you been recently on your foodie travels
7: um, we went. To Italy. We we just visited our producers in Italy recently, and we visited our producers of of hard hard Italian cheeses, so Parmigiano Reggiano, Grana Padano. We visited uh, our pasta uh, our pasta producers. So that's from whom we get our spinach food, uh, penne, spaghetti, all the different pasta shapes, and our balsamic vinegar producers. Which is what Uh, we're
0: talking about today, because it's all things Italy in the new issue of Nourish magazine. We've been talking pasta, we touched on some tomatoes last week, a pizza, of course. I had pizza last night for dinner. So now we're looking at some of those really fine ingredients that can... Elevate, and and I think it's an interesting point that you're talking about. This is somewhere that you can, and maybe should be spending some money. So let's talk about the epicenter where you went to. Dare I say, the
7: capital of balsamic vinegar in the world? Where were you? Modena. Uh, it is the place of fast cars, but also the historic capital of balsamic vinegar production.
0: Take us back in time. What did you learn in your history and eating lesson about balsamic?
7: So obviously, I learned how what like how balsamic vinegar is made, and you make it with the must, which is they cook down crushed juices of specific grapes that are then boiled to concentrations between thirty to fifty percent, and mm-hmm. then aged in uh, residue-rich barrels, similar to how you you would with wine, mm-hmm. um, in uh, different wood types: oak, chestnut, juniper, oh, and then the longer it's...
0: So, hang on, yeah, let me let me interrupt you. So, um, I'm. Am I right in thinking, much like, you know, you'd have an oaked chardonnay, does the the type of wood impact the flavour of that vinegar?
7: Yes. Mm. Yes, definitely. So oak, chestnut, juniper, these are actually notes that you can, like, taste when you're um, kind of sipping, like, longer aged balsamic vinegar. So, like, there's one, especially the ones that have sweeter notes, that's where you'd be able to taste a lot of these, like, wood-type barrel notes a lot better.
0: Ooh, and what about ageing then? Is it, is that significant in terms of quality or is it a flavour thing?
7: No, no, no. It's, uh, so different balsamic vinegars are used for different things. Okay. The longer it's aged, uh, it, it obviously becomes a lot better. Um, and then you have, so the longer aged ones are a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. uh, but of, we have multiple different varieties of balsamic vinegar at Spiney. So we have the regular balsamic vinegar, we've got a glaze, we've got a few uh, apple and wine vinegars as well. Um, but yeah, the the, the the glaze is one of my favourites. Like it's All definitely right. something you must like.
0: Let's get hungry. What are we doing with these balsamics? Because I mean, I'm a bit of a lazy cook. I'm making a quick vinaigrette, but it sounds like there are so many things you you could be doing, depending on the flavor, depending on the viscosity, depending on the age. So, can yeah. you help us kind of do a bit of
7: matchmaking? Yes. Yeah, so one of my one of the recent favorite things of mine to do is to add it to a pasta sauce towards the end of the cooking process. Mm-hmm. So the, it is. Trust me on this. Like tomato sauce really benefits from a generous splash of balsamic vinegar at the end especially if it's good quality balsamic vinegar like spinise food i try adding it to the end of your tomato sauce and it just lifts all the flavors but like apart from like a pasta sauce try drizzling uh, the balsamic glaze that i was talking about over uh, spinach and vanilla ice cream the Madagascan vanilla.
0: what is this sorcery ankia we're having balsamic <laughs> and vanilla ice cream why does oh, the,
7: why it why does it similar. work Let's take it further because sweet and like the the acidic nature of the vinegar itself is just tastes so addictive with like sweet flavors like vanilla. Ooh, okay. Now I won
0: I don't even know what balsamic means. What what is the meaning of the word? Did you get any insight on that when you were on your travels?
7: Yeah. So the term balsamic it only starts being used in the 18th century in Modena, um, and uh, it's. Yeah, it it comes from the the uh, it comes from Modena, as the word balsamic gained official recognition and protection from the European Union in the oh, early 2000s.
0: Wow. Okay, so it's it's kind of regional specific almost. What about the people that you met who who are the who are making this? Who have dedicated their lives to keeping us well fed in this department? Did you get to meet any of the makers?
7: Yes, our producers are the Cremonini family. So it, their company is called the Achitaya Giuseppe Cremonini. They are a renowned brand that has built a success of the tradition of balsamic vinegar production.
0: You're making me re- yeah. really, really crave it now. So, in terms of raw ingredients, then what are they starting with exactly? Cause, and does it? I mean, are there different varieties of of grapes even to continue that metaphor?
7: Yeah, so uh, there are three varieties of grapes that they get, uh, that they kind of blend together in various proportions. They are Trebbiano, Lambrusco, or Ancelotta grapes. Mm. So, be, so it would usually be a blend of these three because the perfect blend on the mu- and the final cook-down must of these grapes is perfect for the production of balsamic vinegar.
0: Now, you are known for kind of hopping around your cuisines when it comes to cooking and, you know, yes. Indian background, but really well-traveled here in Dubai. And I think of this being a kind of a quintessential Italian ingredient. But do you think it could work across different cuisines?
7: Yeah, definitely. It can definitely work across different cuisines. I've found it to work in at times when I don't have, uh, a, like, a loser of balsamic vinegar can... For us, can work as a replacement for like regular Chinese vinegar for me really? uh, when cooking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, but just a little bit because obviously Chinese vinegar um, is not as concentrated as balsamic is.
0: So, what's your what are your weekend plans on the food front, Ankit? What are you making? Where are you
7: going? Um, I'm going to be zipping to Abu Dhabi because uh, we are uh, we have a store opening tomorrow morning, so I will be there.
0: Ah, oh, where is it for our Abu Dhabi listeners? Where, where are you heading Indeed. in the
7: morning? Khalifa City. Oh, I really is. like Khalifa City.
0: And I just want to say massive, massive thank you again for bringing the Spinneys Cafe to my my local Spinneys. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> this morning, there was not a spare seat in that cafe. It's become like a real hub for, you know, the post-school drop-off catch-up, people having meetings, people getting their laptops out and working from there. So I know nice, you've had one that. at Maidan for quite some time, but for us yeah. Jamira peeps, it's um yeah. it's still quite a source of excitement. Um, I know you obviously eating there properly on a regular basis tiffany was giving a shout out to mushrooms on toast what's yes, some of your I'm favorites that say. <laughs>
7: <laughs> mushrooms on toast is my favorite but like obviously if if because i eat that a lot uh, the grilled chicken breast with the side of mash and mushrooms is just it's, it's amazing oh,
0: you're a star thank you so if we're going to do one thing this weekend with some of that beautiful balsamic anki at gulubani what are we buying and what are we
7: doing You have to buy the new spinach food San Marzano tomatoes, cook them ever so slowly for maybe 10 minutes, splash on some balsamic, then load it onto some toast, put some burrata, feel extremely fancy after.
0: I love it. Thank you, Ankit. You're an absolute superstar. Have a wonderful weekend. All the very best to you and the team. Happy eating. And we'll talk to you very soon.
7: Yes. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai I 103.8.